Daniel 6, 1 through 16. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom, and over them three high officials, of whom Daniel was one, to whom these satraps should give account, so that the king might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps, because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Then the high officials and satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom, but they could find no ground for complaint or any fault, because he was faithful, and no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, We shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. Then these high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever. All the high officials of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days, except you, O king, shall be cast into the the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and injunction. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. Then they came near and said before the king concerning the injunction, O king, Did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any god or man within 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing stands fast according to the law of Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Then they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction you have signed but makes his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed, and he set his mind to deliver Daniel, and he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is the law of Medes and the Persians that no injunction or ordinance that the king established establishes can be changed. Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. And the king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve, continually deliver you. Let's pray one more time. Lord, we do ask now as we read your word, as we listen to your word preached, we know that you are a God who continually delivers us. We come in great confidence of your promises May you give us attention. We do ask that the concerns of our life not crowd out our full attention to your word, and at the same time, may those very things be brought under it. Help us, we ask in Christ's name. Amen. 
If you know much about the book of Daniel, you know in the first six chapters, it's kind of a narrative, and, and chapter six ends it. It goes into almost complete prophetic utterances through the end of the book about the things to come. But as you look at this passage, you get real insight into what God was doing in the life of Daniel. When we see him in chapter 1, we see him a young man, a very young man. Today, we will see him at the upper years of his life. Many scholars believe he may have been as old as 89 years old when he was cast into the den of lions. In these passages of Scripture, we're challenged with a lot of things. One of the things that, because of the times we're living in, and I've been reminded as I look through these passages of Scripture, and we see it so clearly in the book of Daniel because it's prophesied and made clear. Nations rise and they fall. Um, Nebuchadnezzar was of the image, if you remember, the dream he was having in chapter 2 in Daniel helped him understand what was going on. It was speaking of some of the great kingdoms to come. And they all fall, finally, to Christ himself. Jesus made very clear when his disciples wanted to enter into physical battle with Rome, and on several times, they no doubt did. Many of the Jews did in that day. He made it clear that was not his purpose in coming. He says, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, he could have called in angels and have ended it all. Remember, one angel killed 185,000 Assyrians. That was not his purpose. And as we see this, we can look back and name other kingdoms that have risen and they were great and now they're either destroyed or they've waned to nothing. And it seems to us sometimes, and especially we that are older and see what we've seen in our lifetime, our nation may be waning. But it's all right. Um, I've often said things are out of hand, and that is true with men. Oftentimes, matter of fact, most of the time, actually all of the time, they're out of hands with men. But they're never out of the hand of God. And we need to rest in that. And we're living in the day we need to rest in that and understand that and believe that and ask us, ask God to help us to act on that. And act that way. But in this book, we see that Persia, uh, the Medes and the Persians have taken over Belshazzar, which was uh, under Nebuchadnezzar in chapter. And it has fallen, and now a new king is there. As we look at this passage, we're also reminded of the fact that there's two different men mentioned as king here in this passage. There's Darius, who was of the Medes. And then we find at the end of this chapter, Cyrus, who was of the Persians. I don't argue with that. I understand somehow if it was a co-rule, it was. I'm not sure what it was. There have been scholars who have been on both two or three different sides of this thing, and it doesn't matter. So let's try to get past that to start with and move on with it. Daniel was a leader. There is no question about that in the book of Daniel. He was a leader. From his youth, you see Daniel as he has taken in 
he and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I wish I could remember their Jewish names, and I, I've always remembered that, so I'm going to go with that. And Daniel were chosen, and, and they were become great leaders and, and be strong to stand before the king. And then we see uh, it becomes evident that Daniel is a prophet of God, and he influences Darius and Cyrus without any question. We see that he becomes a great influence of their lives. We see their statements about him and even about Daniel's God. It's kind of sad to see this passage where Darius keeps saying, your God, instead of our God. But nevertheless, as we look at this passage, we will be dealing with Daniel. Now, his leadership was co-leadership. In the passage we've read in verse uh, one, notice again with me in this passage of Scripture, it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 uh, satraps. I call them sad traps, uh, simply because they were trapsters. Believe me, we will see in this story as it goes on. To be thought uh, throughout the whole kingdom and over them three high officials of whom Daniel was one, uh, uh, whom these satraps would give account so that the king might suffer no loss. Then Daniel becomes distinguished above them. Here in the passage, we see that he becomes one of the leaders, and eventually, in time, as God so planned, Daniel rises among the leaders. The satraps apparently went out into uh, the kingdoms and, and watched what was going on, made sure taxes were paid, made sure there were no rebellions rising at any time, and they would come back, and to the three leaders, they would tell them, and they would be talking to the king and giving him advice on what to do or at least what was happening. And the purpose was very clearly in this passage of Scripture, it says that their king would suffer no loss. Daniel's preferred over the others. Here where the story gets interesting in verse 3. Look at verse 3 with me again, if I can locate it in all my stuff here. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Here we find Daniel rises to a place of authority. As a matter of fact, we kind of find him back in third place in the kingdom as he was under the Babylonian kingdom here again. And because of this, he has problems. Now, I want you to notice what he said about Daniel. And I want to tell you, I think it's a great statement. I've always thought this is one of the greatest statements made of a, a, a child of God in, in the scriptures. Daniel had an excellent spirit in him. Isn't that an amazing thing? And I've tried to figure out all these years exactly. And you know, you think theology and you try to build all kinds of things around this and it's got to be something great. I mean, this is a great statement. What it meant was Daniel knew the Lord and apparently he just loved people and he treated people right. He knew how to deal with people. Listen, I don't care what your gift is. If you're not a people person, you better have somebody to stand between you and those people. I'm not kidding. Uh, I have worked for a man one time. He needed somebody to do his talking for him. I mean, he, 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 was, he was good at what he was doing. He was horrible at how he treated people. Daniel was not that man. He was not that haughty person. The wisdom that he had, he understood, came from God. 
James tells us in chapter 3 and verse 17, you know, there's wisdom of the world. Paul deals with that in 1 Corinthians in the first three chapters especially. The Corinthians were hung up on worldly wisdom. James said the wisdom that is from above is first peaceable. Listen, is pure and is easily entreated. No matter what you and I know, if we're to help people, we need to be able to have a two-way conversation. Daniel could do that. It became very evident. Paul writing to the Corinthians and helping them understand, oh, they all thought they were some degree of greatness because of the gifts they had. And in chapter 4, in verse 7, he says, what do you have that you did not receive? Listen, if you and I have a gift of whatever it is that is helpful, it came from God. It is not something you and I mustered up. If you and I mustered it up, it ain't worth mustering. I mean, it just, it's got to be from God to be real and to be helpful. And here we see that so clearly in this book. The 62-year-old king saw a wealth of wisdom in his 89-year-old president. He's put out here under the groups. You know, the book of Proverbs talks about old people, and I'm glad it does. We still count. Some of us are getting old in here. And listen, this is the youngest group of people in the church I've ever been in. I'm not lying. And I am intimidated sometimes. But anyhow, I want you to know, the book of Proverbs says in chapter 16, I think it's in verse 32, listen, the gray head, the hoary head in the King James Bible says, is a crown of glory if it's found in righteousness. What a wonderful truth. And I hope we hang on to that. And listen, if the Lord tears you, younger people are going to get there. So think about this. Think about these things. It's important. I want to challenge you if you're getting older like I am or you've gotten there like I have. Listen, God can still use you. A friend of mine came to see us uh, couple weeks ago. I haven't seen him in about 35, 40 years. He introduced my wife and I. I told someone I took him out to dinner and asked a waitress to give him some arsenic. No, no, I didn't. I I love my wife. I'm very thankful for her. She's the best wife I've ever had. And, uh, but anyhow, he told me he had gotten saved and shared his testimony. And I was so pleased to hear it. And, uh, he, he said, you know, I went to see one of my friends the other day. He's gotten old and he's in bad shape. And man, he just feels like he's got no purpose in life. And this is, I can understand how that happens now. I can. The first time I had to face something, my daughters and my wife got around me and said, you can't do that anymore. It's too dangerous for an old person. That's hard. And it's going to get more and more and more. But listen, you can always be used to the Lord. This week I had to go to my eye doctor. I usually spend two hours there because you go in and they do this. They set you back in the waiting room. And there was an old black gentleman there, and what a blessing he was to me. This old guy, he come in, he couldn't see. He had glaucoma. He, he was almost blind, if not blind. And he, his daughter brought him in. And she would go over and be taking care of stuff in the window, and he's sitting there singing spiritual songs. Man, I mean, he could sing them. And he would get a little loud, not loud enough to bother anyone. And his daughter come over there and, and leaned over and talked to him. She was trying to calm him down. I said, ma'am, don't calm him down. He has made my day. I said, I could hang out with him the rest of the day. Let me tell you something. If you can do nothing else, you can pray. There's all kinds of things you and I can do. And, and as you serve the Lord in this church and, and as God opens opportunities for you, don't shun that. You can be blessed and used and be a blessing to this congregation. Never get the idea 
and I hope our young people understand this. You may not believe it. We have had some experiences you haven't had. And some of us have walked with God a long time, and we've seen God do a lot of things. And I'll tell you, we can be a blessing. So we never want to lose sight of this. And this king understands this, and he says, man, this guy is the man. The plot against Daniel, verses 4 through 9. This is the toughest thing to read in this passage of Scripture. Who would want to kill Daniel? I mean, this guy has the greatest attitude. You go back to chapter 1 when he's beginning to be trained. Melchor, I think, is the name of the guy that was overseeing these young uh, Jewish fellows and preparing them to be able to stand before the king. And here they come bringing the meat and the drink that's been offered to idols. Daniel was not a vegetarian. That was all about where that food had been and what it had been a part of. He said, I don't want to do that. He says, listen, feed us with vegetables for 10 days and look at us and see if our faces aren't fairer, if our health doesn't look better than the rest. Now, he didn't go to this man and say, listen, I'm not eating that ungodly food. Remember, he's got a a great spirit about him. He's got wisdom. Instead, this is something... He can can intercede. He can have a a conversation with Melkar. He can maybe help Melkar see uh, how this will work out best for him also. By the way, we need to practice that. You You never win folks to the Lord by saying things in such a manner that you just think they're some ungodly heathen and can't understand right. There are ways to do it. And Daniel was one of those to do it. And by the way, we may come to that place where we're going to have to disobey rulers one day. It may happen in our nation. I mean, when it comes down to us telling us not to preach the gospel, and as we see here, not to pray. Now, when it comes to that, it's a different story. there's There's no way to make any kind of deal to make that any better. But in this case... Daniel was the person who was able to do it, and Daniel certainly did so. And then there was envy, the green sickness. I heard somebody call it one time, and I've never forgotten it. Now, it happens. If, if you rise to a place of leadership or if you are blessed by God in some special way, it can happen. Unfortunately, it happens in church, and that is so sad. Uh, I have been a part of a couple traditional churches, and oh, it's so heartbreaking. You see it, and and you can't completely deal with it, and it's so sad. We ought to be thankful when God raises people up. We ought to be thankful when God uses people in special ways, even though we think we could do it better. I mean, here in this passage of Scripture, these men are with him, and they cannot stand the fact that this man, who's a Jew, has risen to the top. It's probably racist led a lot of it. And on top of that, he's an old man. He's 88. Nine, maybe. I mean, he's going to die any minute. And here's he's the guy that's put on top. Don't understand this. How can this be? So they began to discredit him. But the problem was, the way he did his job, they couldn't find anything wrong. He didn't have any water gates, no billy gates. If you don't know what a billy gate is, ask some of these older guys. They can tell you. And all those scandals that have come through, and we've seen in the leadership of our country, and it happens in every country. None of those things. He did his job. He did it uh, certainly personally as unto the Lord. We know that. But he did it in a way to honor the king, and he was to honor the king. That's who he was working for. 
That's pretty good testimony, isn't it? Man, you listen, you go to work, you do your job, and you're working for the other man, and you take care of stuff for him. You're, you're doing his job. He may not be the best. You may not even be getting paid all you think you ought to be getting paid. But nevertheless, you do the very best job you can, and, and you, you hope that they understand the reason is because you're God's child. And we're to be a light in a dark, dark world, and it is. And man, Daniel was a light. His light was so bright, it bothered these guys terribly. Even the king could see it, and we'll see later as he pronounces these things. Um, uh, he, he's just a choice person. But then they found out, as we read a while ago in the passage, if there's one place we might can hang him up and trap him, he is so faithful to his God that's where we're going to have to get him. That's pretty good, too. Now, sad, but it's pretty good that if you or I are walking with the Lord so close, people realize we're not going to, some things we can't bend that. We're not going to give in to. We're going, by the grace of God, we're going to walk with the Lord. I don't know if you have, but I've been in jobs on two times that I had to go and sit down with my boss and kindly and, and, Nice as I could say, now listen, I, I know you feel like that's what you need to do, but I, I, I can't do that. And on both times, I've been exempted and helped by it. And that's a good thing. And listen, I hope on your job, you're, you're looked at and, and, and you're a Christian. It's very evident. I'm amazed how they deceived Darius. And I, I battled with this passage. Look at verse 6 with me. Then these high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever. All the high officials of the kingdom and, and the presence are perfect, it says in my Bible, and the satraps and the counselors and the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days, except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, established the injunction and signed the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and the injunction. Can you see him with his robe, maybe his thumbs in the lapels of it? And this is pretty good. The first thing that I have to say when I see this passage every time, liars, liars. Not true at all. Daniel had nothing to do with this. He was the head above. And here in this passage of Scripture, they come and they build the story and they, they build it and, and they go to work on Darius. And apparently in this particular way, he may have been pretty easy to work with. Now keep in mind a lot of the kingdoms in those days thought that their leader was like a god. Nero was considered god at times. And this is not unusual. So they come in and they lay this thing out, and he's sitting there probably thinking, man, these guys think so much of me. They look at me like god, so why not? It's just for 30 days. By the way, the law of the Medes and Persians could not be changed. Now, it was done so silly little laws like this would not be made. But they, they got him. 
gave into it. Now, when I first saw this, I think, how stupid could he be having been where he's been to do this? But then I thought of all the times I saw something go so bad, I think if I was God for a day, I'd tell you what I'd do. <laughs> I think probably everybody in this room has had one of those moments. You can see how it would be easy for a man in this place, in this high position, he's one of the leading men in the whole world at this time and the most powerful men, and we know how that story goes. It can cause great problems. We see men in history like Adolf Hitler and others who have done such horrendous things. And here in this passage, he bites it. The power appeal uh, on Darius was motivated by his flesh and his pride, just as we struggle with ourselves. And once he signed this thing, it was signed. And these guys leaving think we've got him now. Daniel's predicament, verses 10 through 17, we again looked at the passage. This is not the same as chapter 1. Again, as I said a while ago in chapter 1, he had an appeal. He had a way to appeal Melkar and, and, and help him to get by this. And probably many other times in his time of leading in ne- under Nebuchadnezzar and also now Cyrus and and Darius here we find in this passage of Scripture that he had to make an appeal now and then of saying, I, I, I can't do that particular thing. But there's no appeal here. He doesn't even say anything. He doesn't go and intervene. And I'll tell you the verse that has thrown me off even to the last few days. I've read this passage over and over in my life, and I've never seen it. You probably have. Verse 10, when Daniel knew that the document had been signed, while this thing was going on, Daniel had already found out about it. He knew what was going on. He didn't see any reason in going in there doing anything because the truth of the matter is, once it's signed, it's signed, and I can't do anything about it. So he's in the predicament, and the very thing that he's told not to do, he can't help but do it. He goes straight home. And he enters into his upper level's house where he had always turned toward Jerusalem. The windows open for air, and he prayed. Wouldn't you like to have heard that prayer? By the way, if you want to hear Daniel pray, when we leave, you go home, sit down to chapter 9, and look at the first five verses, and I'll tell you, you'll hear real prayers. This man spends the first four verses exalting God, and he's there interceding for him and the sins of Israel, and Judah especially. And asking God to be merciful to him. By the way, this is the time in which Judas, uh, the, the Jews from Judah are released and sent back, and the temple's going to be rebuilt during this time. I dare say Daniel had a lot to do with that. Now, God planned it. In the book of Jeremiah, it's spoken of, all of it's talked about. And during Cyrus's rule, it will take care of. You can find it in the book of Jeremiah. And here in this passage of Scripture, we're looking probably at the man when they took that rule, influenced this king to set him free. Showed him the prophecies. And they'd come to see him to be such a man of God, at least in this. I have no doubt in my mind they probably allowed it. But all he prays there. And I can imagine him praying after he exalts the Lord and talks about this. He said, Lord, now you saw what just happened in the palace. And I ain't Samson. I can't fight all those lines. Lord, you didn't give me that gift. But whatever is your will. He praised the Lord, it says, in all things. Gave thanks in all things in that passage of Scripture. And here Daniel prays. And he goes on 
and he continues to pray, and we see the problems begin to build up. Acts chapter 5 and verse 29 tells us that the apostles were taken in at chapter 4 and 5 because they were preaching the gospel in Jerusalem and they knew what was going to happen as a result of this. If something didn't happen, they brought them in, they warned them, they beat them, and sent them back out. And they told them before they left, do not go out preaching this gospel of Jesus throughout Jerusalem. And they said, shall we obey men? Shall we obey God? There was no other answer for that. And they went out and they preached. Here Daniel has done what is right. And now he's going to the lion's den. We see in the passage, look at verse 16. Then the uh, king commanded and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. And the king declared to Daniel, may your God whom you serve continually deliver you. And the stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den. Oh, King Darius is in such trouble now. He realizes his foolish pride and the tricks that had been pulled on him. And I cannot imagine all that's going through his mind, but right now his mind is set on his friend Daniel, a man of God. He says, listen, Daniel, may the God whom you serve continually. That's another good statement. Do we do that? Man, I've had to battle that in my Christian life. And I wish I could tell you that every moment through my Christian life, that I could say I was God, serving God as I ought, and I haven't at times. But I'm going to tell you, that's a thing that is foremost in our lives, and it should be that, that we keep on our hearts all the time in every circumstance, in every trial, and every testing that comes through. We need to remember that God is in charge. There is nothing that comes my way but first filters through the fingers of God. And listen, as we think about those things, we need to be known as those who serve God continually. And here the king is so troubled, Darius seeks to deliver him. In verses 14 and 15, he labored till sundown, trying to figure out a way. He probably called the historians in uh, of the Medes and the Persians and says, listen, is there anywhere in there that it says there was a certain situation where the king made a stupid decree that we can back it up or change it or do something? Couldn't find anything. Wouldn't allow the instruments to be brought into him at night. He didn't want to hear any singing. He realizes what he's done, and he realizes Daniel, an 89-year-old man being thrown in the den of lions. By the way, it was pointed out by one writer one time, says, listen, when you see those pictures of the lions, and there's two or three old lions that look like they're about to die in there, let me tell you something. This den had enough lions when they threw all the satraps and their families in there. It devoured them. Three lions don't do that. It was a vicious place. This king so distraught of what he has done, thinking, how could I have been so stupid? And he stays awake and he fasts all night, hoping for Daniel's deliverance. Man, it's a great story. It is such a great story. The king comes out the next morning at daylight and says, Oh, Daniel, the God whom you serve continually, has he delivered you from the lions? And Daniel has to give that honoring the king, and we're to do that, Romans chapter 13. Old King Darius lived forever. He sent an angel, and he shut the mouths of these lines. By the way, I got a feeling the king didn't sleep all night, and Daniel slept good. If you remember the story in the book of Acts, 
Peter's locked up. He's going to be beheaded. And they're praying in the church when the angel came and got him. Remember what he had to do? He was supposed to die the next day. He had to wake Peter up. And here he comes. And he is so moved. Now I want to stop right here and park for just a minute. And I want you to listen to me really good. It's easy to read this story and think God ought to do that every time. That's not God's plan. Isaiah was dragged through a hollow log and sawn in two. Paul the apostle. By the way, let's start with Stephen. That evangelist, deacon evangelist, who preached the gospel. And there they began to cast stones and he looked into heaven and he saw Jesus standing on the right hand of the Father. He died. Paul, the great apostle we read of, his head was chopped off at the block. Go to the book of Hebrews chapter 11 and look at the first, last five verses of, of, of that passage. And it's the subject matter of faith. Daniel was a man of faith. But all oh, there have been many, many Daniels through the years. And those in that last five verses, some of them were sewn up in wet sheep skins as tight as could be and carried out into the desert and dumped off. Guess how that ended? Their bodies were pulled apart. This has happened all through church history. Listen, it is not God's will to deliver everyone from this kind of thing. God has a purpose in my life, in your life, and his purpose is better than ours. He sees things far differently than you and I do, and sometimes the greatest glory can be for those who stand and give their life for Christ because there may be others looking on that need to see. God had a plan for Daniel's life. He had a lot to say through Daniel in the next six chapters. So please don't fall into that attitude. If you've got enough faith, I believe Isaiah had faith. I believe the Apostle Paul had faith. I don't think that was a problem. I think God's purpose was how things end. And we have to remember that. Do We can get so discouraged when God don't do what we want him to do. And then we find the story ends in such a sad picture here as after this is over, all those, including their families, this is hard for us to look at, were thrown into that lion's den and there they died. But that's not the end of the story. I love the last verses of this story. Listen to them. Verse 25, Then King Darius wrote to all the people, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth. Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he's the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius, the reign of Cyrus. Let me point out some things that someone wrote years ago of what he just said. He said God's personal. He's present. He's permanent. He's powerful, and he's protective. Now, you know I didn't write that, all those pieces I couldn't write. But I'm here to tell you, all those things are true. 
Can you see how this one man, and had no idea probably as he was doing these things and living out his life in the presence of lost people, had no idea how one day God would use his walk and what God did for him at this time to be sent out to all the nations that Darius had power over and saying, you best tremble at the God of Daniel. I'll tell you, that's a great thing. You know what? Daniel's a great witness. Not just what he did. You cannot ever convince me. Daniel didn't go in and sit down and talk to Darius from time to time when he had opportunity and say, here's, here's what the scriptures say. Here's what Jeremiah said. Here is Cyrus. Here's what's going to happen. The, the 70 years, 538 B.C. are going to end during this reign, at the beginning of this reign. And God's plan is to set these to go back to Judah and the temple to be rebuilt. By the way, you'll read on in Ezra, you'll find out that's exactly what happens. God had a plan with all this stuff. And God has used him in such a way. And you know what I, I never know. When I worked with the linen company when I first got saved, there was a guy in there I was scared to death of. I'd gotten saved and I'd witnessed about everybody. And, um, but this guy I was scared to. My boss was a Mormon. He finally called me in and said, I need to tell you about G, uh, the Mormon church. I said, well, I said, you don't need to tell me. I said, I baptized the Mormon church when I was a young kid. Didn't know what I was doing. Thank God that I didn't get blinded by it. He says, well, you know, Joseph Smith is a prophet. I said, I know he is. A false one. And I said, it is kindly. I said, this is what I understand. And, and those things happened. I, I got through him. But this one guy, he would come in singing spiritual songs and make fun of him, twist the words around. And I thought, this ain't a guy I want to deal with. And he was big. He was one of the routemen, just like I was. And one day, God got a hold of my heart about this guy. And he said, you need to, you need to talk to this guy. I mean, it burdened me so bad. And one day, I come in at the end of mine route. He worked in the plant. He used to be a routeman too. And I had good conversations with him. I said, man, I need to talk to you about something. And I talked to him a few minutes. He says, listen, I want you to do me a favor. I said, I want you to come to my house tonight. Oh, man. He said, I want to talk some more. And I was so glad he said that. I was scared he was going to kill me. I'm serious. This guy, he scared me. We got there and God had been on his heart dealing with him. And that night he cried out to God and asked God to forgive him and save him. And the last I heard from him, he was still serving the Lord. Now I want to tell you something you don't know. You may not be a Daniel. And you say, oh, all these things happened and Daniel was such a good guy because he was a prophet. You ever heard of Jonah? Think about it. That's not it. You and I, by the grace of God, can walk with the Lord and be a witness for him. May God help us. God bless you.